Welcome to Technotopia, the podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Jeffrey Martin, CEO of Sphericam, a 360-degree camera company. This is Technotopia. Technotopia is brought to you by Happy Fun Corp. Happy Fun Corp is a design-driven technology company in Brooklyn, New York, that specializes in building mobile and web applications for startups and Fortune 500 companies. Whether it's a new mobile or web application that will help people experience the internet in a fun new way, or software that will interface with a new piece of top secret hardware, Happy Fun Corp is always up to the challenge. Big or small, Happy Fun Corp loves building software and loves working with great people. Come build with them. HappyFunCorp.com. Welcome back to Technotopia, a podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs, and today we have Jeffrey Martin, founder and CEO of Sphericam. Uh, Jeffrey, you live in Prague, and you've been making 360-degree cameras since, I think, the prehistoric age. Is that right? Hi, John. Yes, that's right. I've been making 360-degree uh, cameras since uh, since there were CRT televisions. <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit about what, what you're working on specifically, and then we can go into a little more detail about, about your vision of the future. Okay. So I'm, uh, I'm founder CEO of Sphericam. Sphericam is a spherical 360-degree video camera for VR filmmakers. It's a 4K resolution, 60 frames per second camera, about the size of a baseball. It's got six sensors and six lenses, and it's kind of a very portable but still professional-grade camera that you can use to make movies that you can then watch on your Oculus or HTC Vive or Gear VR mm-hmm. or Google Cardboard and so on. So that's an interesting thing that you just said. So I would argue that... I would argue that even, gosh, it was probably like two years ago, you wouldn't be able to say that. You, have, you, you, just, you just ran off a litany of VR uh, products, right? That's right, yeah. And uh, this is Spherecam 2. So Spherecam 1 was uh, 2012, and uh, there was no VR then. And it was, the use case was just not actually there. It's not that it wasn't obvious. It really wasn't there. Um, mm-hmm. And it was really hard for me to give an elevator pitch for that camera because no one really knew what the hell it was good for, except for some you know obscure industrial uses like you know an under underground pipe inspection and stuff like that, which isn't really a scalable mass market product. Um, but yeah, now it's a now it's a new kind of camera for this new kind of medium that's blossoming, and and there are a lot of filmmakers doing some interesting stuff, but still figuring out how. It, how it's going to work and how it's different from the traditional filmmaking that we're all used to. Okay. So I'm a so I'm a grumpus when it comes to when it comes to VR. So what so sell me on VR. So it's um it puts you in a in a space rather than uh you looking um into a space through a screen. So uh I I, I view it uh and I guess I'm maybe in between you, the crankus on the spectrum, and people who are breathlessly talking about how it's going to, you know, kill traditional filmmaking as we know it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's a, it's an interesting new medium that we're still figuring out. It, it's 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 fundamentally quite different in that there is no viewport, uh, there is no frame, and uh, there is uh, as part of the experience, a, a, uh, you know. There's a higher level of empathy involved because you are being placed into um, um, a space rather than looking through it. 
So um, how this will evolve in terms of how people tell stories uh, is very much yet to be defined, and people are experimenting with that. I think what I see in the short term uh, as being interesting as is as a kind of documentary and journalistic medium mm-hmm. and giving people the opportunity to experience what a place kind of feels like rather than what it simply looks like. And I think you can uh, transmit much more empathy with that uh, than you can with traditional uh, television and film. And as a journalistic tool, this can be very, very powerful. Um, One interesting side effect also of this kind of camera, because it sees everywhere, um, you don't have to actually point the camera at anything. So you can sort of just hold it up and it captures um, everything in every direction. And Hmm. and then you could, from there, um, edit it down to a traditional linear rectangular video with a viewport. Um, You still do need to place the camera in a specific place. Um, You know, you're either here or there. Um, So there is still some kind of framing involved, but you don't have to worry too much about not catching something because it was behind you because you're still capturing that part. So what, so see that, so I guess, I guess my primary issue with VR is that the storytelling, the storytelling, one of the, let me try to, let me try to figure out the the way to talk about this. So I, so I'm, I imagine, I imagine a VR experience, at least right now, as sort of an immersive video game uh, experience, something like a Half-Life. Half-Life, Half-Life was pretty immersive. You walk through, you walk through a world uh, that's pretty cool. You you see you see strange monsters and you fight the monsters, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. Uh, but you're kind of on a rail. Um, and I think there was yeah. a movie that was some Russian movie like Hardcore Henry or something like that. That was basically like that. It was supposed to be a first person action movie, and you're supposed to just sit there and watch yourself run through this world. But you're still on a rail. I'm con- right. I'm con- I'm confer- I'm concerned that the that the way the way folks are going to be showing uh, this video is going to be stuck on this rail, that it's not immersive. It's the, 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 the computing power necessary for a truly immersive world uh, is good enough right now for potentially a 2D experience on the, on the screen, uh, right. but not good enough for a 3D experience. So you're basically just going to be going through like, I don't know, uh, first right, person so. experiences just over and over again. Yeah. So I, yeah, with regards to 360 video, it's still a linear experience that that you're passively going through, and you can't uh, choose to you know walk in a specific direction. You can mm-hmm. choose what direction you're looking at. Um, and I would imagine that eventually, when we have things like you know true light field capture and volumetric capture, so that you have a complete 3D space that is you know photographically captured and rendered then you can actually walk around in a photographic 3d environment mm-hmm. but that is um i guess at least five years away because okay. it just requires tremendous um data on the capture side and, and on the delivery side so what does so you, you've been you've been doing this sort of uh, you've been doing this sort of video and this sort of uh, images for years now what mm-hmm. do those images give you as a creator i guess uh, that you can't get elsewhere. So yeah, I've been doing 360 photography since about 2004. My first startup was founded in 2007. That's 360cities.net, which is basically a mm-hmm. 
publishing and licensing platform for 360 photographs. Um, and I started that by combining a map with panoramic photos that were geolocated on the map. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was before Google Street View. So again, the use case was not obvious to, to the public. But as soon as I discovered 360 photos, they were immediately relevant as a geo- geographic object because a spherical photo um, taken outside, for example, uh, it could only be made in one place. Mm-hmm. If you take a photo of the Eiffel Tower, that you know could be taken in any number of places probably, but a spherical photo belongs in exactly one place on the planet. Uh, so that's you know, very interesting from a, you know, mathematical and geographic point of view. Hmm. And what I get out of these types of images and videos, again, it, it, um, it gives a, if a, it gives people a context that is not available necessarily in, in normal images. It puts you in a place more than, uh, just looking at a normal picture. I wouldn't say that it's just like being there. That's often, a kind of sales pitch given by these companies who sell these pictures. It's not mm-hmm. just like being there, but it's more like being there than, uh, than a normal photograph um, because it lets you look around and, and this is, you know, more natural. It's closer to your normal senses than, than just looking at a square picture. How do you, how do you change the way you take these photos? How do you change the way these, uh, you, you build these photos? Uh, what do you mean exactly? Like how? Like so when so when you look at a when you look at a um, when you look at a photo like this, what do you when you're about to take a picture of the Eiffel Tower? Where do you place the camera? Or do you actually care? Is there any special framing that you have to do? Is there any anything special? Um, yeah, there definitely is, and and uh, this is part of the medium that that is different than standard photography, where um, with standard photography you're often on the outside looking in and in 360 photography you generally want to have some interesting things in every direction but you don't necessarily want to be in the exact center of everything you Mm -hmm. might want a few things that are very very close by and then other things that are farther away okay um so the way you place the camera within the 360 scene is important and that extends also to to the you know filmmaking where you um, you generally want a, a region of interest that is uh, going to pull the viewer towards that, um, but you don't want to be far away from the action. But neither do you want to um, confuse the viewer by not being clear about where they should look. One one mistake uh, 360 filmmakers are making these days is you put four different things in four different directions and the viewer doesn't know where to look. Mm-hmm. And then it's just a ah, stressful, okay. uncomfortable experience that is not, you know, it's not really taking advantage of the 360. It's sort of abusing it. But then, but then again, you're getting into that, you're getting into that, um, silly, it's the silly rail situation, right? Because you're kind of, you're kind of having that you have the character, uh, in a space and you could feasibly have things happening all around the character. But right. you can't imprison well, you can't, implicitly. You can't when it makes sense, but you don't want to uh, you don't want to make people confused or uncomfortable with unless that's the point. 
I mean, mm-hmm. this is this can be art we're talking about, and that might be the point. But generally, with you know narrative filmmaking and and, and storytelling, there there is generally a rail there. There is a story to to pull people along. Um, with with three hundred and sixty stuff, it's still not clear that what the best practices are with that, and you know when is it appropriate to you know, put people in the middle of it, of the action, mm-hmm. and when do you, um, you know, quite strictly uh, show them what what they're supposed to be looking at? Okay, so now we're at a we're at a basically crossroads. So I think I personally don't think that we're going to see uh, VR take off. What is it? 2016. This century is going to be is going to be a hard, or this decade is going to be a hard sell for VR. I think. I personally think. I, I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think. I don't think the the hardware is going to catch up. The 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 end user hardware is going to catch up with the cool stuff that the that you can do, especially with like a sphere camera or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So that said, what what do I know about it? Um, what does the future look like in the next uh, in the next 15 years as we talk about this kind of thing? So. In the next fifteen years, um, I'll, I'll mention one book that I read called "Rainbow's End" mm-hmm. by Werner. Lynch. I don't know if anyone out there has heard of it. This struck me very deeply when I read it about five years ago, as uh, and that was before all the Oculus stuff. But I, you know, just barely heard of AR. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think I think within fifteen years we will truly start to have the. Um, Situation where the um, um, digital world overlaid on the real world is part of our real world, mm-hmm. just like um, for uh, for young people today, the online world is just as real as the real world. Okay. Um, we will start to have. You know, friends and things and objects that are um, that exist in our in our in our visual line of sight that aren't really there that are okay. rejected there somehow. Okay. Uh, but it will be reliable and real, and it will be it'll be just real, and it'll be it'll be there when we you know when we want that to be there. I think within fifteen years that's going to happen. I think right now it's so absolutely science fiction that it's hard to even explain. Just like in 1998, explaining what Twitter was would sure. be an outrageous idea. But well, let's well, no, let's think about that. Okay, I, I understand. I understand from a global viewpoint. From a global viewpoint, 1998, um, 1998. I think let's let's no, even if even if you went back into like the the Unix days. If you told me that I could have a global chat system, global chat, that's yeah. how you would describe it, right? Yeah. Even from, from 1975 until today, you could feasibly explain that in a, in, a, in a simple way. It's basically global chat, 140 characters. Oh, why 140 characters? I don't know, just because the phones work that way or whatever. So that's yeah. kind of easy to explain. But I think what you just explained is that you have a, a little computer friend <laughs> that, that exists, that is as real to you as your real friends. And that's at once really exciting and also kind of pernicious, right? Oh yeah, kind of dangerous. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think there will be a lot of kind of growing pains around you know what what we have to think about anymore. Just like nobody has to, you can just Google whatever, so you don't even need to remember things. Mm-hmm. 
just like no one remembers anyone's phone number anymore, pretty much, except maybe your wife's phone number. But otherwise, sure. you know, we all used to know lots of phone numbers. Interesting. So, so you would. So, what you're saying, and I don't want to go for too far down the the pessimistic route, but what you're saying is that you're saying that that somebody that somebody with a with a VR system doesn't need to know people anymore. Oh no, I wouldn't say that. I okay. would just say that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> There, there will be even more. Uh, there will be even more access to certain types of things that we won't need to um, spend time remembering certain types of stuff mm-hmm. the way we did before. Okay. All right. Very cool. So, are you excited about this VR future? I mean, you've kind of you've kind of gone in all, all in, right? Yeah, I'm really. Definitely very excited about it. Um, I'm also, you know, somewhat nervous about it. I, I, I think the VR that we have right now is totally ridiculous. This box on the face, mm-hmm. this is, this has got to go. This cannot, uh, this cannot be uh, the thing that makes it big. I don't think it's, um, it's definitely isolating. It looks very silly, mm-hmm. and, uh, but I think lots of these. Version one hardware computing devices are, uh, you know, look they look a bit silly after a few years, so that's fine. You got to start somewhere. Yeah, I mean, is this is this the iPhone one of the of the whole of the whole operation? I guess so. I mean, I, I think when it's, I think I think Zuckerberg said some weeks ago that it'll eventually, you know, be like a pair of Ray Bans, and I've seen uh, this pair of AR glasses from Osterhout Design Group. That's mm-hmm. sort of you know it's sort of halfway between this bulky Oculus thing and um, you know normal pair of Ray Bans. It's kind of halfway there, so we are getting there. But it's it's still it's going to take quite a few years, I think, to get the um, the chips that smaller and especially the the batteries. Mm-hmm. I think the battery issue is quite severe. Okay. Interesting. So but the we'll get there. so the so the hardware also needs to catch up with everything. Yeah, but you're but you're still you're still bear, you're still uh, bullish on this because you've I mean you, you, as I said you're basically all in on this on this process it's you're 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 completely you're completely dedicated to the idea that 360 video is the way to go right yeah I think it's a tremendously interesting medium and I think it's uh, I think what it, what it comes down to for me is that it sort of extends the human senses mm-hmm. in a way that is cool and it kind of gives you superpowers. And everyone wants superpowers, right? All right, I'll buy that. If it, if this is this is superpowers, but you're not really going anywhere. You're just kind of sitting. Like superpowers suggest that you you can fly around and do all kinds of crazy cool stuff, right? Well, eventually you can do that. <laughs> but at least you can, you can teleport somewhere. All right, I'll buy that. All right, very <laughs> cool. So, what are you working on now? What's next for the What's next with the project? So we're we're um, we're shipping Spherecam two very soon. Um, and we just closed investment of five million dollars uh-huh. um, a couple of months ago, uh, which will help us accelerate our development plan. And um, you know, this is obviously not the last camera we're ever going to design and build, and we're uh-huh. looking at what else we'll be building in the near future. Um, but definitely expect interesting things coming from us uh, even sooner than you might expect. All right. So where can people where can people buy the thing? What's the website? It's spherecam.com, S-P-H-E-R-I-C-A-M, spherecam.com. And you can pre-order it, and we'll be shipping at the end of the summer. All right. 
So thank you very much, Jeffrey. This has been Technotopia. I'm John Biggs. We're with Jeffrey Martin of Sphericam. Thank you very much, Jeff. Thanks. Thanks.